morning to all of our friends and um, associates uh, there that's uh, in our online community. We thank God for your listening. We thank God for uh, the church family present. We just pray that God will continue to bless you. We want to say that um, House of Destiny Ministries is doing a mission to, to the Bahamas. And if you desire to make a contribution, an online community, uh, you can make any type of check or a money order to the House of Destiny Ministries, Post Office Box 160033, and that's Boiling Springs, South Carolina, and the zip code is 29316. But this morning, we want to get right into the Word, amen. We're going back to Second Samuel's chapter number twelve. We're going, we're going to Second Samuel's chapter number twelve. We had begun in uh, chapter number eleven, and for those that was present, I want to give us a, an update of what the Lord had given us on last week, so that when we move into the part two of the undercurrent, we will understand and we won't be lost in our teachings. Now. Uh, the, the undercurrent, we talked about uh, last week that David, who was king, his job was to uh, lead the people into battle, and it was springtime. And, and, and because it was springtime, then he was supposed to be in battle. David means the beloved. However, David had gotten comfortable. He decided to stay behind and send Joab. Now, Joab means the eternal building, uh, eternal building. And as he was laying behind, um, he decided to rise up from his bed, and, and he went to his rooftop. And when he went to his rooftop, he sees this woman, and her name is Bathsheba. She see, he sees this woman up on top of the rooftop bathing herself. Now, we want to go spiritual as, as well as in the natural uh, now, the word Bathsheba, it means um, gratitude beyond uh, satisfaction or gratitude beyond. It also means satisfaction, and it also means fulfillment. And the Bible has talked about how David, he was in his evening tide. Now, when we speak of evening, the word evening means that we were in our best state. But the problem was The Bible says he was in his evening tide, in his evening tide, which means approaching darkness. And therefore, he was declining in his spiritual walk. And because he was declining his spiritual walk, he began to reach out and touch things that did not belong to him. Uh, In fact, he committed at least three of the commandments. He violated, uh, thou shall not kill, because we'll get to Uriah. He also did, um, thou shall not commit adultery. And he also, it talks about, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife or his men's servants, his maid servants, or anything that belongs to him. So th- those three we do know he committed. But he talks about how when he sees Bathsheba, that thing that's satisfying because he's in a declining state in his life, in the spiritual walk, he reaches out, and, and because he wants her so bad, and that's how the flesh is. Because the flesh wants to kill out the light in us, it will do whatever it needs to do to, to kill out your light. It don't want you to shine. It does not want you to shine. It does not want God to shine in you out nor through you. 
The word Uriah, who's Bathsheba's husband, the word Uriah means the Lord is my light or the Lord is my fire. So when, when Bathsheba returns to him, we're going back into the natural because we're going to be in and out, natural and spiritual. When she returns after that, that, that um, uh, uh, consummation or them, them coming together, she finds that she's with Chow. And because she's with Chow, then David has to come up with some type of plot, some kind of plan to cover his sins. Has anybody ever tried to cover their sins? <laughs> so he had, to, he had to come up with some kind of, some kind of situation about what he's going to do to escape what he had done. And so the first thing he does in his cover-up, the first thing he does is have Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to come back, and he tries to get him to go lie with his wife. And he would not do it. I mean, he, he was so concerned about his other brethren that were in, in war that he refused to do that. And so the next thing he decides to do, since he would not go and lie with his wife, is that he decides to put him on the front line. and no, uh, Yeah, put him on the front line and have him killed and put him in the hottest battle. So, so therefore, he lost his life. Whenever the flesh, and we're going spiritual now, whenever the flesh uh, takes hold to the light in us, it will kill the Jesus in us. Amen. Every time we enter into things of the flesh and we, we, we yield to the flesh, it will begin to diminish the light that's on the inside of us. I don't know about y'all, but I have been there. Amen. I, I've been there. Amen. I can't tell you that I've got it all together and I hadn't done anything that wasn't right. Amen. Uh, uh, so, it, but the fact remains that each time he destroys some things, he has to understand that there are some consequences to, to, to the actions of sin. Now, when it comes down to the word undercurrent, it's just like a river. It, the river appears to be very smooth in the beginning. But the farther you go out into that river, then what happens, if you're not careful, there are sinkholes right there in that river. Even though it appears to look right, even though it appears to be good, even though it appears to be uh, calm, that's the way it is with our own lives. Even though things appear to be good, what we have to look at is the underlying current that is pulling us down. There's a sinkhole there. And if we're not careful, it will take us farther and farther and farther away. All right? And so that's where we were last week, that sinkhole. Now, where we are this week in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, we are going to deal with some situations and circumstances that David has to, uh, um, uh, uh, to pay for. Amen? I put it that way. That there's some uh, um, compensations or there's some penalties that uh, goes along with sin. Now, he thinks he has escaped. He thinks he has gotten away. But the last verse in, in chapter number 11 in 2 Samuel is, it talks about how God was displeased. God was displeased. So now I began to ponder on this thing. I said, now, Lord, how long was it before this thing that David had done was revealed? Sometimes we think that we can get away with sin and it does not be revealed. But you can rest assured God will reveal. And I, I, I pondered, and, and the next thing I knew, the, the time of a visitation from the prophet called Nathan. Now, Nathan is the, a revealer of secrets. He appears in David's life. 
Bathsheba at this time, she's approaching or she's at that place of giving birth. She's at that place of giving birth. So here he is. He's the king. He thinks he's gotten away. Has anybody ever thought they've gotten away with sin before? <laughs> they didn't got away, yeah. But, but God always sees. Now, Second Samuel chapter number 12, the bringing of this up. Now, watch when, when Nathan comes to, he comes to David. He gives him a story about two men, one rich and one poor. He talks about a third person, which is a traveler. And a traveler comes, and the traveler wants something from uh, the king. So rather than the king himself uh, giving from his own flock, what he does is he reaches and gets the only flock that the poor man has. And he thinks he's gotten away with something. So when Nathan begins to, to speak to him and begins to tell him this story and this scenario, all of a sudden David says this. He says, well, that man, he shall surely die. He shall surely die. You know how it is when, when you look at somebody else's life and they're sinning and we fail to look at our own life and we want to pass judgment on somebody else. Have we all, anybody been there? You want to pass judgment on somebody else's life? And you got some stuff in your own. Amen. So that's the way it was with David. He passed sentence on this man. And he said, not only shall he die, but he has to give back for four. Not understanding that Nathan is a revealer of secrets. And David thinks that he has gotten away with what's happening that he had done to Uriah having him killed. So all of a sudden Nathan says, thou art the man. So can you imagine how David felt? Because he put his own sinners on his own life. Because he said, that man should surely die. He looked, he said, that man should surely die. But then when it was revealed that it was him, he said, oh, my God, I've sinned. I've, I've sinned. I've done wrong. Now, watch the betrayal, and not only the betrayal of, of that, that sinkhole, that undercurrent, uh, watch also the consequences of his actions. And we're also going to see God's grace and God's mercy. We're going to see God's grace and God's mercy. Chapter number 12, 2 Samuel, beginning at verse number 10. This is the consequence that he faces because of his cover-up. It says this. Now, verse number 10, 2 Samuel, chapter 12. It says, Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me, talking about God, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. So the word sword there does not mean a, a, a knife or a sword. That word sword there means he's telling him that destruction and a drought would never leave his house. In other words, he was going to be in a state of losses. Has anybody ever been in a state of losses in your life? See, that, that's that drought. That's that drought. You're in a state of losses. He tells him, he said, now, it will never leave your house. And then he talks about what he had done. Uh, and then verse number 11 says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of whose house? Thine own house, and I will take their wives, I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with the wives in the sight of the sun. 
The first thing God shows me here is he says, I am going to use your own household to bring evil against you. I'm going to use your own household. Keep your place there in 2 Samuel. And let's go to Matthew chapter number 10. St. Matthew gospel. St. Matthew chapter number 10. Sometimes we don't think our own household is the one that will drive us crazy, but they will. But here, according to this, God tells him one of his consequences for his act, he's going to bring evil that will come from his own household, his own household. See, we look, we look often outside of our home for evil to come. But watch what God's word says in St. Matthew chapter number 10. Are we there? St. Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 36 says, And a man's foes, meaning his enemy or his adversary, shall be they of his own household. The man's, a man's foe, the man's enemies, or his adversary shall be they of his own household. So you can look for trouble in your own household. <laughs> look for trouble in your own household. Don't look outside, but begin to look inside. It's like this. Whenever I have a dream, and I, I'm often a dreamer, God always gives me dreams and visions. And one thing I do when I have dreams, I, I, I made a mistake in the beginning of always looking outside because sometimes the dream is not always the, the person that we see in the dream. So I would always look outside and say, okay, this, this is person and this is going to happen in their life, not understanding not very long that that thing is turned back on me. So I had to learn to examine my own household first before I look outside. Amen. So now let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter number 12. So we understand now that the first thing that comes up against David because of his action, because of what he did, was he was going to raise up evil out of his own household. After he raises up evil out of his own household, then he says this. He said, and I will take their wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. Interesting. Even though he says, your neighbor, I'm going to take your wives and give to your neighbor, watch what God does. Look at Second Samuel chapter number 16. 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 And we are going to look at verse number 22. Remember now, he, 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 he's, he's done some things that were evil. He took, he, took some, he took another person's wife, and he has that man killed. He has that light destroyed that's within him. Now, God says that evil is going to come from your own household. Second Samuel Chapter 16, beginning reading at verse number 22. 22 says, So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house. Now, Absalom is David's son. Absalom is David's son. The word Absalom, it means um, a builder of peace because he's David's son. The word son means builder. And uh, he's a builder of peace. But he takes his own son and watch what his son does. 
His son does this. He said, and Absalom went in unto his father's what? Concubines. He goes in to David's concubines, um, one of David's many wives, and he becomes sexually involved in the sight of all of Israel. So he's right there. He's right there before all of the people. And the same deed that David did, he did it secretly. God said, I'm going to do it openly so everybody will know. You know how it is sometimes we got secret sins? Anybody got secret sins? You know, they're not really all that secret. (laughs) Because God will put that thing on front street. He'll put it on front street. And that's what he did. He put it on front street because David thought he had all that thing covered up. He thought it was covered up. But when, when his penalty came, his own enemy, his own household, the foe, his adversary will come from his own household. His enemy came from his own son. His son slept with his concubines because David was on the run. So his son slept now with his concubines. So instead of, instead of Absalom being the builder of peace, now he's beginning to violate that which belonged to his father. Now, in Mark chapter number 4, verse 22, it says this, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifest or revealed openly, neither was anything kept secret, but it should come publicly or uh, uh, come abroad. So what the scripture is saying here that there's nothing that we do is going to be hid. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is going to be hid. It will be revealed. It will be open. And, and then God goes on to say in his word that, and it will not be kept secret. It should come, become publicly. Have anybody ever did something, all of a sudden your, our sins have become publicly? We thought nobody didn't know it, and all of a sudden that we're on front street. Uh, sometimes some of us have been on front page news. <laughs> Amen. Just think about it. Now. Just think about it. You think about a lot of these what is it, the school teachers and, and some of these schools and, and some of these uh, 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 f- officials and all this stuff. You know, some of the, all of these people, you know, that we got all this trust and faith in, all of a sudden we'll see them on, on the 6 o'clock news. Amen. You know, they're so great. They're so wonderful. And, and they're attacking everybody. And all of a sudden their stuff that they've got secretly, it becomes exposed. You know, you you got uh, coaches getting involved with young girls and uh, of a tender age, and you know everybody loves them, and that's why you have to be careful when you're dealing with children. You have to be very careful because nowadays you can't tell really how old they are. They might be 15, but they may look 21, or they may look 25. And sometimes on Facebook they disguise themselves to be 25 and 21, and they might be 11 or 12 years old. So you have to be very careful because whatever we do in secret, it will uh, expose itself. It will open up and everybody will know. I can't imagine, I really can't imagine how I would feel if my, my face was on the 6 o'clock news. I'm just being real. Y'all probably had to find, come and find me, and I would probably be up on a rock somewhere. Amen. I'm talking about me. I mean, y'all might be bold enough to say, okay, it's all right. But I mean, I, I'd probably, you know. And everything that, that we think is true, sometimes it may not even be true. There are also some false accusations out there, too. But the sad part is they will build it up so in the beginning, but they never build up the retraction the way they build up what they put up in the beginning. 
I mean, your reputation by then is ruined if you're not guilty. And by it being ruined, people are still looking at you in a strange way. Amen. So we, can't, we, we have to be very, very careful in what we do. All right, going back now to 2 Samuel uh, chapter number 12. Going back to chapter number 12. Now, the, the Bible talks about in chapter number 12, and we're going to look at verse number 13. This is what happens when, 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 when we've been discovered. Watch what, what David does in, in verse number 13, 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Remember, he's done all this cover-up. And God sends Nathan, the prophet, who is a revealer of, of secrets. He tells him what his penalty is going to be. Now, verse number uh, 12 says in Second Samuel chapter 12, For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the Son. Verse 13 says, And David said unto Nathan, that's the one that exposed the secret. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. That's interesting. He didn't say at this point he had sinned against Uriah, which is the, the, uh, the Lord is my light or the Lord is my fire. The first thing he says, I have sinned against the Lord. You would think he would say, I have sinned against this person. But he didn't. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. So that lets us know that whenever we begin to operate in sin and do things outside of the will of God, especially if we're naming our part of the body of Christ, we're really sinning against the Lord. That's heavy. That, that, that is very heavy. When we really think about it, when we go against the will of God, when we don't operate in the, the will of God as he tells us, then we are really sinning against God. And when we're sinning against God, that, that, that's a strong thing. I mean, it should bring, it should bring a, a quick repentance. It should bring a quick repentance. So he says now that he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And then it says, and Nathan said unto David, the Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Now, that's interesting. After he lets him know that he had sinned against the Lord, here come the goodness of God. And the one that reveals the secret tells him that the Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. You see the difference there between God and man. Now, when David had to make that judgment uh, about, those two, uh, about the man that uh, took the, the flock from his flock, uh, from the poor man, he says that, that man should surely die. That rich man should surely die. The one that's done this thing, that had taken from his flock. He said, he should surely die, and, you gonna, and he could pay back 4-4. Four, four. But God says, I'm going to put away your sin. Now, man will not put away your sin, right? Have some, have, have, you know, have done some things in your life, and, and, and you're over, it's over with and done, and man still hold it against you. And God didn't forgave you. Because, see, God is that type of God. He doesn't hold our sins against us. The moment that, that we truly repent and go before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness, ask for his cleansingness, God will forgive us. He forgave David. The penalty there for him taking that man's wife and, and plus having that man killed was death. But God said, no, I'm going to put away your sin. Ain't God good? He said, I'm going to put away your sin. He doesn't hold that thing be before us all the time. You know, man will hold your sin. Ah, you remember when? 
You remember this? You remember that? You remember? Amen. You, you remember when you did this 50 years ago? <laughs> you, you remember when you did this 25 years ago? That's man. But God said, I've, I've been wiping your slate clean. He said, I've put that away from you. So never allow man to bring up the things in your life that's not of God. I mean, God's already, already forgiven. Don't allow man to do that because mankind will do that. You, you, you can't allow man to, to keep you in a box and not receive the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Not receive the grace of God. He says now in, in the words, he says now, I'm going to put away our sins. He says, thou shall not die. How be it? Now, watch this. Because by this deed thou has given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Now, we look at that, we may think, okay, we may think God is a bad God. You know, he's going to allow my life to escape. But he's going to take this child that I've, I've birthed with Bathsheba and cause him to die. He's going to take his life. But God's ways is not like our ways. God is amazing. He said, now, you gave an occasion to cause the Lord's enemies to blaspheme his name. God honors his name. That's why we have to be careful in the, in the actions and the acts that we do so the people outside of, of the kingdom or outside what we call church world, that we will not do things that will cause people to, to not want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because we can blaspheme God's name by the things that we do. And, and we don't want that. We don't want to. He said, you gave occasions to my enemy. So when we set ourselves up and say we're living the life of Christ and yet we're living in another world and operating in another situation, then we blaspheme the, the name of God. When we're walking double, living two lives, when we're crossing the fence, you know what I mean? You know, anybody ever walked on both sides of the fence? You know, you wonder, thank you, Brother Ricky, being honest. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Raise a hand, you know. One day I've, you know, I'm with the Lord, and the next day I'm, I'm with the devil. You know what I'm saying? And walking both, both sides of the fence. The Lord says we blaspheme his name, and we give the enemy a chance to, to, to cause people not to want to come to Christ because we can mess up our own testimony. Amen. But he, he requires the life, that which is birth. He requires the life of it. I looked, I said, God, that, that appears to be kind of harsh. But God said, no, that's, that, that's, that's not harsh. That's not harsh. Now, let's drop down to Second Samuel chapter number 12. And we're going to look at verse number 24. This is after the, the, the death of the child. Because, see, prior to, to the child dying, David goes on a fast. He began to fast and he began to pray, asking God to not only to forgive him, but allow the baby to live. And what happens, God cannot go back on his word. Whatever God says in God's mind on paper, that's what he means. He said the child was going to die, so the child died. At that point, once the child dies, David gets up and he begins to eat. But watch what God does. Watch, I'm going to show you some grace. 
Share the grace of God. Because a lot of times we like to focus only on the, the, the harshness of God, the, the penalty of sin. But let me show you some grace of God. Second Samuel chapter number 12, looking at verse number 24. Verse 24 says, And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went in unto her, and he lay with her. In other words, they come together, and, and, and they have sexual uh, relations. And when they come together, he's comforting her because she's, she's just lost her child. And the Bible says, and when he goes into her, he lies with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. After he allowed one baby to die, because it was, it was born in a way that, that, that caused uh, uh, despisement to God, now God allows, him to, allows them to bring forth another son, and that son's name is Solomon. Well, Solomon means peace. Solomon means peace. That's the grace of God. When we have messed up and we think we've messed up so bad, the grace of God will come in. And once the grace of God will come in, he will bring peace into our lives. But then he also gives him another name. In verse 25, he says, And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, the reveal of secrets. And he called his name Jedidiah. And see, Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. So the second son now that they are allowed to bear is, becomes the beloved of the Lord. Solomon is the most wisest uh, uh, king that the Bible ever speaks about. A man with great wisdom. That's grace. That God would give you something even better than what you had originally. I mean, he, he, he allows that young son to die, but yet he brings forth a new son that will rule. And everybody is talking about his wisdom. Everybody's talking about Solomon. And even the Bible talks about even the flowers and all of everything, that nobody's not afraid like Solomon. Solomon had so many things going for him that the, the queen of Sheba even began to talk about him and all of his wisdom and all the people that, that lined up or worked for him. God gave him something even better. Know this. I hear your Holy Spirit. No matter what we've gone through or what we may have done, God is waiting and willing to give you something even greater and even better. Because Solomon was, I mean, he's just wrote so many books in the Bible. It, it was just phenomenal. He's, he, he, he gives wisdom and an understanding. He's a powerful man of God. Now, that's the grace of God. When we have, can I say this word, when we really screwed up, that's not really a word in my vocabulary, okay? But when we really screwed up, then God himself will bring grace to our lives. That's, that's phenomenal. I just felt something in my spirit that says God is getting ready to go bless somebody. I don't know who that is, whether it's here or whether it's online community. Whatever you've been facing, God I just it dropped in my spirit. God is about to release an enormous blessing upon your life. I don't usually do that. I don't usually do that. I don't. But I, when the Holy Spirit drops and He reveals and He says things, I have to say what He says. There's going to become an enormous blessing into someone's life. Now let's continue with the grace of God. I want you to go to the book of Isaiah. And we're almost done. We're going to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter number one. Isaiah chapter number one. 
Isaiah chapter number one. Yeah. Isaiah chapter number one. Old Testament. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, is right after the Song of Solomon. Right after the Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. He's, he's an awesome writer. He's, he, he, he knows how to put it together. But we're talking about now the grace of God, the God's grace. God's grace in the book of Isaiah chapter number 1. In this undercurrent where we have that hidden, hidden sinkhole that takes us under and, and takes us farther and farther away from God, God will allow his grace to bring us back to him. Isaiah chapter 1, looking at verse number 18. Are we there? Verse 18, the first word in verse 18 is come. The second word is now. He says, come now. Because in in this chapter here, he talks about how the ox and, 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 and the animals, they knew their master, but the people didn't know, they did not know God. And they were just embedded in sin, embedded deeply in sin. But he gives an invitation. His invitation is, the first word is come. God is calling us to come. That's an invitation from the Lord. Whenever we get an invitation from the Lord, and, 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 and the word Lord in Hebrew, it means Yahweh. And whenever we get an invitation from Yahweh, that's immeasurable. I mean, that is a heavyweight. That's heavyweight. Whenever we can get an invitation from God, it's one thing to get an invitation from man. But when you get an invitation from God, that's heavyweight. So he says, now come. He says, he says come. And he didn't say later. He says, come now. Come now. Come now. And then he says, let us reason together. Hmm. Let us reason together. Isn't it a weird thing? You got the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords, and he tells us to come and he want to sit down and reason with us. He said, let's reason together. Let's talk about this thing. See, there is nothing that escapes God. There's nothing. There's nothing about our life escapes God. He's always there for us. So he says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Watch this. Though your sins be as scarlet. Though your sins be as scarlet. It it doesn't make any difference how deep or how far we are in sin. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, and they shall be as and, and they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like Clemson, crimson, not Clemson, crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, no matter what condition we find ourselves in, He says, I want you to come to me. I want you to come to me. I mean, that's the grace of God. And, and he says that, see, when we come to God, there's that possibility of forgiveness. And once we get that forgiveness, then prosperity will come. So he said, come on, come on, come on, come on. He said, I, I know, I know about your sin. There's nothing that's hidden from God. But then God says this to me, no sin is beyond the reach of God. 
praise God. No sin is beyond the reach of God. So no matter how low we may go, no matter how low the, the sinkhole or that undercurrent may take us, God is saying you're not beyond hope. Sometimes people will think that their life, and they've done so much in life, that they are beyond hope. No. God said, no, no, no. He says, my hand is, is, is not too short that I can't save you, nor my ears too heavy that I can't hear you. Whenever we cry out to God, God will hear. He will hear our cry. Your, your sin, my sin, nobody's sin is beyond the reach of God. N- not beyond the reach of God. I don't know about anybody's life. Don't, have no clue whether you're online, offline, whatever. Whatever the situation may be. God says if, if, you, if the sinkhole has pulled you away from him and you've gone farther and farther and farther out to sea, farther and farther away from him, he's saying, listen, my grace is sufficient. He said, my grace is sufficient. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He, he beckoned God three times to remove this thorn. Nobody really knows what that thorn that was in, in Paul's flesh but what God did say to him was, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So today God is saying that his grace to all of us is sufficient. No matter where we've gone or what we've done, what has happened in our life, always remember God's grace is sufficient. He will bestow us to a place where he desires for us to be. Don't allow the undercurrent, the sinkhole to take you so far away from God that you don't look up and you don't cry out to God because forgiveness is available. Forgiveness from God is available. I am so thankful and grateful in all of my life and all the things that I have done in my life, and I've lived a number of years, amen, I've got a number of years under my belt. I've got a number of years, but God's grace has kept me. God's grace has kept me. Dr. Manley says the other day, he was saying something about uh, numbers and being getting old or whatever. I, don't know. I said, all I know is this. The word of God says that in my old age, I'm going to be full of sap. And so I stand on what God says. I don't, I don't care about man. Uh-huh. God told me I'm going to be full of sap. I'm full of sap. I, I'm, I've got the numbers, so I'm full of sap. I'm flourishing. And my sister, that's 77, I think she's 77, she told me the other day, she told her pastor, he asked her, was she keeping up with me going around trying to buy all this stuff for, for the Bahamas? And my sister told her, I said, well, she's out early in the morning, so I can't keep up with her. And I told her, that's because I'm full of sap. I, I, I'm, 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 I've got a lot of stuff God in place on the inside of me that keeps me like the energizer. I keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. So we have to be very thankful for the grace of God. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. Amen. God's grace. God's grace. We are never out of the reach of God. Never. Never. We're never out of the reach of forgiveness, the forgiveness of God. Amen. We just praise God. We praise God for your presence. We praise God.